0: Hi, I'm Jeremy Robinson, and this is the 19th hole. Hi, welcome to the 19th hole, brought to you by Glow.uk. So, this week it's uh, the start of a big summer of sport in the UK although the first one we're going to talk about is not in the UK. It's the US Open at Brookline. And also then we've got Royal Ascot week, which is obviously a great week, especially if you like your horses. So I'm absolutely delighted to to say we've got a golf and racing expert come back on the show. Josh, you're back on. You tipped the winner of uh, the PGA Championship, which was most impressive. So we're hoping you're going to give us another good uh, pointer for the US Open. But more than that, we need some help with Royal Ascot because – between myself and
1: DJ, we are not experts. You are the racing expert. Well, we are in serious trouble, Jerry. But on the USPGA, yeah, every blind pig finds an acorn now and again. And, yeah, we managed to pull uh, JT out from somewhere. But, no, fair play. He, we tipped JT up. I think we are about 18 to 1. Stood on the 17th tee box. He was 12 to 1 on Betfair still. Hits his tee shot, goes to sixes. And then we all know what happened after that. There was only going to be one winner. So you can put you, you think you can pull another one out for that one, do you? I've got a sixty to one hot pot for you later on today, Jerry. Oh, Josh, Josh!
0: Now the Happy Happy Golf Tour. We've always got to talk about the Happy Happy Golf yeah. Tour. The Happy, Happy Golf Tour has been slamming it today. I hear you've been playing with a guy called Richard Russell, who's not uh, actually related to our second guest, but he wrote a book, according to my notes here. Of, my baby got the yips yes now whether he wrote that about me or dj i'm not sure but anyway there you go
1: so tell us about uh, today quickly uh very quickly i actually didn't play the poor bloke was ill so he called off sync but it was <laughs> it was a dream of mine i've had this book i'm giving it to all my golfing friends throughout the years uh, it's called my baby got the yips it's still available on Amazon. Um, Second hand, I think there's no print run and uh, it's hilarious it's got chapters about different types of club throwing it's the random stories of an amateur golfer which I'm sure everyone can relate to so no uh I'm, I, apparently it's been put back for when he's uh, he's far better but enough about me we've got a very good friend uh not only of you and I but of the golfing world with DJ here so we must talk to Deej because it's great to see him looking so well yeah, so the second guest we've got
0: today is DJ Russell. So DJ is a DP World and Legends Tour winner. And he is actually a legend of golf. He's a Ryder Cup vice captain. He's a successful course designer with Ian Woosnam. He's a, a member of the board of directors of the European Tour. He was just saying for nearly 30 years. And also this year, he's, uh, he's captain of the PGA Cup uh, match, which is taking place, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but at Fox Hills in September.
2: Yeah, Fox Hills in September. Actually, I'm, I am left the board of directors this year, so after after nearly 30 years, so I've got a little bit of uh, history with the European tour anyway, which is great. Yeah,
0: well, so thanks a lot for joining us anyway, and hopefully with, between, uh, between the three of us, we might be able to do something with the US Open. But just on, from your point of view, Dave, not being on before, just give us a little bit of brief background. I, I know from my connections with Blackwell, you were an assistant pro at Blackwell.
2: Yeah, I was a junior member at Blackwell, um, from the age of 13. And when I turned pro, I went out, I turned pro when I was 19, went out to uh, Portugal, work with Henry Cotton. And I came back from Portugal and finished up in Derbyshire. So I, I not really, I played in the Pro-Am at Blackwell last year, and I hadn't really played there for about 35 years. Uh, but Blackwell holds a lot of wonderful memories when I, it's where I sort of learned how to chip from missing the greens and everything. As you know, it's a very tricky round the greens there. It's a great, excellent
1: place. And much changed, age since since in those 30 years?
2: Uh, well, the trees have got a lot bigger. <laughs> But uh, what I must say is I think they've done a very good job of keeping the trees back, clearing the trees out. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm not quite so sure about the. but the bunkering was nice, but there seems a lot of uh, maintenance issues, I would have thought, with keeping the bunkers like that. But absolutely wonderful place to play golf, and it's only about 6,400 yards long. It's not the biggest of golf courses, but certainly somewhere that you you could play every day of the week,
0: that's for sure. So Dave, we what we like to do on this show, and we've done it previously, we've had way, way on, and we've had people up, we, we like to serious name drop on this show. There's no doubt about that. That's one of the things we pride ourselves on. And with your, uh, with you being on here, your best mate, obviously, and your golfing partner, I mean, we can name drop here. World number one, winner of the US Masters. You were in a camper van with him when you were younger.
2: Yeah, we we sort of hooked up back back in the day. Um, it was the we used to Monday qualify for tournaments, and I had a, a car and a caravan, and Wuzzy had this old VW dormobile, and we all used to pitch up on a on a Sunday have a practice round and play Monday qualifying, and. After a few weeks, Ian and myself seemed to be very good at Monday qualifying. But then when we got into the tournament, not particularly good in the tournament. But because we kept sort of qualifying regularly, we started traveling together. And in a way, he latched on to me because a car in a caravan was far more luxurious. You could leave the caravan and take the car at the pub. Whereas with the dormer, barely I had to do all the washing up and pack it all away before he could go anywhere. So you know, we, we started travelling together back in the mid seventies, I suppose, all over Europe, and uh, great great memories. And then history tells that he, he, became extremely successful, and I very quickly latched onto him in his private jet. <laughs>
1: What was it like as a spectator Dave, to see your best mate win the Masters?
2: Yeah, very emotional, really. Knowing, knowing how much he'd put into it. I mean, he, he, he had a very um, determined outlook on his golf. He, we were all pretty good golfers and we we're all very good golfers, but certain things separate you from the others. I'll never forget we had dinner once in, uh, when we were in Zambia. We all we all stayed with members of the golf club and there was about six of us round at one of the hosts' house for dinner one night and part of the conversation went round to, well, what do you want to do in the golfing world? And bear in mind, this would be mid-70s to sort of 77, something like that, and none of us had really done anything. And they've gotten around the time, I'd like to win a tournament and I'd like to make a few quid and I'd like to sort of be respectable and stay in golf and whatever. Get around to it, I want to be the best player in the world and win a major. And we all just fell about laughing. You're joking. What well, was he? I am, that's what I'm going to do. And he he absolutely believed that and worked towards it. And I think if he had a failing in his career, that when he did become the best player in the world and win a major, there wasn't—he'd reached the top of his mountain. Really. He'd not—he didn't realise that he could go for well. Obviously, now looking back on it, he went further. But you know, it just shows you if you set your, if you set your targets too low, if you're that good. But he's yeah, it was incredible. To think back on it, it's a shame there's no recording of that uh, conversation.
0: <laughs> but he's just, you know, I played a couple of times with him, Dave, and, you know, he, he was just an absolute pleasure to watch. So his swing was just, talk about rhythm to his swing and timing. And and he was a small man. If you've never met him, the people who were watching or listening, if you've never met him, I mean, was he's pretty small. And the power he used to create and the distance he used to hit the ball was in back in the day with the wooden drivers, et cetera, was phenomenal really, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. It was always an incredible, but really good striker of the golf ball. And I think if you were going to be any good with woods and Bellati, you got to out of the middle of the club really, didn't you? But was he, he, if he had a problem, he released too much in a way. And his bad shots were a snap hook and a shank. And that sort of plagued him quite a bit in his early days. I used to work well when I was turned pro and went to Derby. I worked with a guy called Gavin Christie, who gave Wuzzy a bit of a light switching on moment with a lesson, showed him how to hold the face off to keep the blade square, going through a little bit, and all of a sudden Wuzzy could fight against the left hand side of the course and take it out of his game. And he just went from strength to strength, and still hitting it out of the middle of the club, but. He did flush, it. and he still flushes it as well.
0: Mm. So, forgetting about woozy talking about significant achievements, as I've often heard on Sky about people have gone bogey free and won a tournament, and they said, "Oh, so and so, so and so," but you were the, you were the first one, weren't you? Because I actually played in that tournament, Leon French Open at Leon. You went seventy-two holes without a bogey. I mean. Give us a break, Dave. How, how did you do that?
2: Well, it was it was amazing, really, because I suppose the determination that Wuzzy had, I sort of lacked in a little way. I, I was always reasonably talented and found if I could find an easy way of doing it, I would find the easy way of doing it. So when we shared rooms, I, he'd be up all night practicing his putting while I slept all night or whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, 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 my, my mother-in-law, um, the week before, she'd been ill, but suddenly became seriously ill and was given a week or two to live. So I'd gone to see her with my wife and everything and said, look, you stay well for this week and I'll win this week. And this was the Austrian Open the week before and uh i so i went to austria absolutely determined to win the tournament for uh whatever. and i played really well pete mitchell and hold it from 50 yards off the green at the last to beat me by a shot so i finished second which great for pete mitchell but I, that wasn't what i wanted to do with for the mother-in-law so i went back home and uh, apologized for not winning and said i would win at leon And she actually died on the Wednesday night before the tournament started. So I didn't know whether to play or not. But Christina said, well, you promised me you'd win. So I went and won. And there was at no stage during that week did I not think I was going to win. And I didn't, I just took every shot as positively as I could and played. And it was just incredible to think that 72 holes without a bogey. In fact, I went. I went 34, 34 holes the week before without a bogey. Seventy-two holes in Lyon without a bogey. Then I started the French Open in Paris. Uh, I never know whether it's Paris National or whatever. Anyway, where the Ryder Cup was. Yeah. I went. That's to playing with Ernie Els in his first tournament. And I open up birdie, birdie, par, par, ten. Yeah. 110, birdie, birdie, par, 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 10. Went 110 holes without a bogey, then had a 10.
0: <laughs> you, so went a ten you went 110 holes without a bogey?
2: Without a bogey, then had a 10. So that's golf, and that about sums golf up. Wow. Oh, there you
0: go. <laughs> Josh, I know you can't match 72 holes without a bogey, but you did ask me the question, and we'll move on to your sentence. soon, but you did ask me the question about DJ. He made a hole in one at the uh, at the Open Championship what year was it Dave?
2: 1973.
0: And Josh tell me the question you asked me because I
1: answered it straight off mate didn't I? You did I have to say you, you know as we said every blind pig finds an acorn your guest came, came in like you wouldn't believe I asked him DJ and uh, as DJ was the youngest and I believe still is the youngest person to have a hole in one in the Open and 45 minutes, either later or before, he will clarify in a second. The oldest person uh, to ever have a holding one in the Open—I still don't know whether that is. That record still holds true. Um, and I asked Jerry this question, and Jerry's like, "Oh God, God, I don't know." And he's sort of going back through, and then he came straight out with, "And what did you come out with, Jerry?"
2: Gene Sarazen. Gene Sarazen. Yeah, you can. Everyone remembers Gene Sarazen. He was televised, but I think. Uh, the, the cameraman was off for a pay break or something when I was playing. <laughs> yeah, ni- 19. We're actually, I'm the youngest player and he is the oldest player in, to hold in one in a major, let alone the Open. It's quite amazing, isn't it, really? And incredibly, nearly more incredibly, I hit a seven iron and he hit a five iron. You could nearly throw it on that green now. Where was that played again? Postage stamp. Oh,
0: wow. He hit five iron on the postage stamp.
2: He hit five iron and I hit seven iron. I hit seven iron.
1: (laughs) Sorry, go on, Josh. (laughs) Must
2: have been a windy day. Well, it was windy, windy, but I've played there many times since and can't imagine it in a seven iron there. It just shows how lofted those clubs were back in 1973.
0: So, to so moving on from that, obviously you've, you're PGA Cup captain. So I, I've been lucky enough, as I said to you earlier, to play in the PGA Cup, and it's the the club pros' version of the Ryder Cup, really, or Great Britain and Ireland against America, isn't it? So it's pretty a great honour for you, really, to do that.
2: Absolutely, great honour. Yeah, great honour, and it's uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I've, I've been lucky enough to work. With my position on the board, I travelled to most of the Ryder Cups over the last thirty years. So I was very lucky to work with four or five of the captains behind the scenes, and then culminating really with being Wuzzy's vice captain. Um, So I've I've got a lot of tricks up my sleeve just in case we need to uh, try things out. But it's yeah, no, it's it's great. And and the team I was over in Ireland. A month ago, where three of the players qualified. Um, so it's just getting to know them. And Chris, my son's the vice-captain, which is great because he's from their generation, really. I'm sort of... Although I know them, I haven't really played that much with them. So it's nice to... Chris has got his finger on the button and has a relationship with these players. But, yeah, looking forward to it. It's a tough one. Um, there's more... As I believe, there's more golfers in florida than there is in the whole of europe so we start on the back foot a little bit mm. they've, they've, they've got a, a massive pool of professionals to pull from but uh, yeah no, our, our, our lads are up for it as you always are when you play against america mm. as we're seeing in the world cup football
0: well so, so just moving the final thing that obviously one of your main things now is, is your golf course design and the api golf tour has, has visited many of the uh the dj and woozy golf course uh, that you've done so you've been involved obviously archerfield and i remember the story of kevin and when we were in barbados at the program etc and that's how you first kind of got into it i believe but obviously you've been involved with the jcb course of Macri and many others which is you kind of uh, and it's a difficult question you might want to answer it but i'm going to ask Josh which is his favorite one afterwards but yeah, which, what, what, you, what are you most proud of dave
2: well, I'm, I'm very proud of it all, really. I, 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 building a golf course is, is one of the great experiences in golf. I'm not so sure that away from winning majors, uh, building a golf course and watching people enjoy your golf course gives you a hell of a satisfaction. I've been so fortunate to have been chosen to do Archerfield and then really a similar thing with the Macri. So I, I think I, I would love them all equally. I think the Macri will probably make me famous in about 50 years time. I'll be like the James Braid. Remember that DJ Russell, he could design a golf club. The Macri was an incredible opportunity in the respect that uh, the, the land that it's on and everything, it's, it's, it's a good place. I know Josh was over there, but the weather conditions didn't really suit Josh, did they?
0: Just, just on that, so pe- obviously a lot of people, are, the people are listening, a lot of them have heard and, and watched, have heard and have played at uh, Field, and some a lot of people have heard of the JCB course. Just give us a quick background on the Macri, because it's obviously not as well known as these other courses.
2: Yeah, the Macri is on the island of Isla, which has nine distilleries, quite a famous whiskey, a very peaty whiskey lots of peaty whiskies made on the island and the Macri was a golf course that was built in I think 1869 by a gentleman called Willie Campbell and leading into our conversation a bit later on Willie Campbell left Scotland and went and designed the country club in Brookline so there's a nice coincidence so I've got a bit of a tie-up with the country club I've I've destroyed his golf course on island well destroyed it I, I think i've improved it but the uh, yeah willie campbell visited for a couple of days and, and set out the golf course and they played the golf course over sand dunes into hollows and everything and back in the day with no watering systems greens were set at the lowest point so it would retain the water and so when I went over and redesigned the course, I moved the course more down the valleys of the dunes, setting the greens a little bit higher. So now uh, you can play 52 weeks of the year, depending if you can uh, you, know, you can play 52 weeks of the year. So that's great, really, if you go over to stay. If you, if you can put enough clothes on in the winter, you can play golf. Whereas before it was flood, flooded. But Archerfield's been an incredible project to be involved in. It's the, the whole concept of the place is quite inspiring in a way when you think that there's, apart from Archerfield, there's 11 golf courses within five miles to actually plant a business within, a golfing business within the middle of all of that's been great. And to see, we've got a thousand members now and visitors and everything. out like that I've, I love the way that Archerfield feels and plays. And, yeah, very, very proud of them all.
0: So, Josh, as uh, CEO of the Apiafi Golf Tour, and I did notice yesterday when I was at um, the Centurion Club, and we, we, we will briefly talk about Liv later, but I did notice that Greg Norman now calls himself not only the CEO of the Liv Golf Tour, but also the Commissioner. So my wow. first question to you is, are you the CEO and Commissioner of Apiafi Golf Tours? And well, on a serious note, though, you've played all these courses that Dave's been involved in, and uh, they're all – I haven't played Demacri. I've actually played Arch- uh, JCB, and I've played Archerfield quite a few times. I've been lucky enough to do that. And they're all great, great golf courses, aren't they? And as Dave said, I i, I totally agree with you, Dave. I think the, fe- the feel of Archerfield is, is – the whole place is just fantastic.
1: Absolutely. I don't quite know what the question is, but um... – <laughs> <laughs> The question the, uh... is
0: – the question is just comment on on the courses that Dave's designed, really. Well, I was can
2: I, sorry, can I just jump in there, sorry, Josh. I didn't design JCB. European golf design designed JCB, and very well. But I, I was I I spent five years at JCB delivering the golf course and also helping them to deliver the concept that they've set it all up to. So I can't take the credit for designing JCB, but I'm again very proud of what they've delivered there. That's a hell
1: of a facility. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I was fortunate enough to meet DJ in the early 2000s. um, And he's been absolutely brilliant as a mentor and a a bit of a golf coach and stuff like that along the way, just a solidly good friend. But to see the journey that DJ took from chopping the trees down, the posh porter cabin that we had as a clubhouse at Archfield all the way through. But what, there's two things that stand out for me in, um, and I'm not blowing smoke at, at DJ because he's on, he's on this podcast with us, but in, when you play a raw golf design golf course, you enjoy it. Now, everyone says, oh, I enjoy playing golf, but you can play some, you know, we take into account the, the 2010 at Celtic Manor. It's had Ryder Cup, had Welsh Open, stuff like that. You come off, or the West course at Wentworth at some stages, it's like, it's, oh, it's a lovely golf course, but you feel a bit tired and feel like you've been 10 rounds with Tyson. Every time you walk off an an Archerfield, off um, the Macri or wherever, you you, you come onto every hole with a smile and you finish wanting to go again. You definitely want another nine holes. Whereas there are some golf courses, which are still very good golf courses. You're like, I need to sit down and I don't want to see a golf course for 24 hours. So for me, and to see it it, it's a bit like in my industry in horse racing, I admire those people that can buy a yearling horse knowing that what it's going to be like when it's four or five. And how DJ and Wuzzy design golf courses now knowing what they're going to be like in 10, 15, 20 DJ was talking about. This golf course goes around 50 years' time. So knowing how, we've talked about it before tonight, how those trees are going to grow, how that course is going to grow, how it's going to be designed, it's got to stand the test of time. And I think that's the one thing that, if I could say anything, what I've seen over the last twenty years of, of hopefully being close friend of DJs is seeing how those golf courses they design, how they mature, but you think they can't get any better, and they sort of do with time. Um, so no, it's a massive plaudits to DJ, and I just yeah, I, I enjoy the experience of Archfield is fantastic. It's you know from the lodges, Kevin um, and his wife who've got the, the the sort of off the golf course side of things. Those lodges are amazing. The the, the the clubhouse is brilliant. It's sunk into the ground. It's not your big in your face American clubhouse. It's just got a great feel. No one's going to call you out. Call you out if you walk in with your hat on, or perhaps you forgot to put your phone on silent. It's just a cool place to be, and uh, comes highly recommended.
2: That's 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 great, to hear, Josh? Yeah, I mean that's exactly what we've tried to achieve there. But I think it's it's I've been given an unusual opportunity. Thirty odd years playing, and then became a golf course designer, golf course architect, which most people go in at a young age to be a golf course architect. So to me, with golf course architecture, the easiest thing in the world is to make a difficult golf course. The hardest thing is to make a golf course that the very good players and the very bad players can play around it and Have a lot of fun on it. And like you said there, my my ambition with the golf course is you play 18 holes, come in, have a course, you play 18 holes, and you want to hang your clubs up for a month. It's unfortunate that that, that a lot of the architects think that length is the way to solve the problems. And it is, but it solves the problems of 99% of the people that are going to play the course. So it is. It's, 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 I've been given a, a rare opportunity to, after a lifetime of playing, being given the opportunity to get a piece of land and put golf courses on. So long may that continue.
0: So, Josh, we've got free golf at Archerfield
2: for the rest of our lives. Having said that,
0: we've got free golf at the Macri. We might get the odd game at JCB if we're lucky. But anyway, so there you go. So we finished telling DJ how great he is. So the idea of the podcast was to have a bit of a um, some tips really for the U.S. Open and the uh, and my last cup. So we'll start with the U.S. Open. So that is returning to Brookline, Massachusetts. So I'll give you a couple of facts here for you boys. So it's 122nd plane of the U.S. Open. It was first won in 1895 by an Englishman. Do you know who it might be? And it wasn't Gene Sarazen.
1: Not that it he wasn't was DJ football. Russell, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't.
2: It wasn't DJ. It, was, it, it wasn't Willie Campbell. He designed it. It was Horace
0: Rawlings, who is an Englishman, with scores of ninety-one and eighty-two, and he won one hundred and fifty dollars. Jerry, how's that going to point us in the direction of the
1: winner this year? Just
0: well, I'm just, you, I'm just giving you a little bit of background on the U.S. Open. Last time played at Brookline, nineteen eighty-eight, when Curtis Strange beat Nick Faldo in a playoff. In those days, it was the 18-hole playoff. Past 70 core, 7,264 yards, uh, small greens, which is a great thing. We've all seen on TV. Dave, you've been there. And so John Rahm, defending champion, won the first of his uh, first major last year, but in the last two holes. So, Josh, start us off, really. Um, you picked JT
1: at the USPGA. What are you thinking for this one? Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you stats. They've got a, whatever it is, 120 runner field. Um, I'm going to cut it back down for you. So these are the stats. And and statistically, this is where the winner is going to come from. So apologies, Deej, if you pick something that doesn't fit into this criteria. But this this is statistically over the last 10 years. Okay. They've got to be ranked inside the top 30. Okay, so there you go. You've gone from 120 to 30 players before we even start. Seven out of the last 10 have been of U.S. nationality. Eight of the last 10 had been in the top 10 in their previous, in one of their previous last two major appearances. So basically on the big stage. Seven is the big one. Seven of the last 10. About the week off before the US Open because it is such a grind. They've come in fresh. So we can see JT, Rory, all the live players are going to count out because basically they're just gonna get hounded by the press all week after playing over here. JT and Rory are playing this week. So there's, there's some of the big stats, and this is over a 10-year you know, it's over a 10-year period. It's not looking um short. And you're also talking about. What's happened to golf over the last 10-15 years? Technology, size, of course. So you're looking at proper data there. For me, there are two that stand out. So, one, so my winning, my the win bet, although it's a decent price, I'll be backing him each way, is Patrick Campney. We talked about it last time in terms of looking when players come into form and, and where they are, and he is definitely trending in the right direction. Form figures are 22nd, 13th. He missed cut, then gone 3-2. His last two events, he's off this week, which is brilliant. Freshened up. We know he needs to talk about his ball striking and his putting. Is just I've not seen someone putt like him since Luke Donald was world number one, with his box and everything. I suppose Spieth is probably the other person you'd, you'd put in there, but at the moment he puts for fun uh, and away you go. But my 60 to one. Winner each way. Well, because keep an eye on. We talked about this last time. In terms of advice of placing bets, wait until Wednesday because the bookies will be out with all sorts of offers. Top ten, top eleven. You know, bet ten, get thirty back. Whatever it is, but wait till the offers come out. If you place the bet now, you're probably only getting top five, top six. Um, Sung J. M. Sixty to one. Going from those stats that I ran out before, he's twenty second in the world golf rankings. He was eighth in the Masters. He was second in the Masters in 2000, um, uh, 2020. 10th at Memorial, just, uh, just gone. He's off this week. Of course, he won the Honda the year before last. He's not going to be a trendy selection. People aren't going to go, some Jay in. That's why he's a massive price, but he ticks all of those um, stats in terms of what, you, what the US Open winner looks like. And at that kind of price, Happy days at six is if he gets in the you know quarter of the odds, gets in the first five or six, or even if they're doing top ten, it'll probably be fifth of the odds. You've still got a double figure winner. Patrick Cantley, what price is he roughly, Josh? Uh 22s. Okay. Twenty two to 25.
0: Yeah. So you basically, I mean, looking at the the kind of market at the moment, obviously Scheffler, Rahm, Thomas head heading the market. Scheffler I uh Sheffler and Rahm aren't playing this week. So you, you don't like you don't like those two
1: then? I'm not, I mean, Sheffler's one. I mean, how can you? He, he's short. He's too short for me. He's about twelve to one. So yeah. I'm probably looking for a bit of value. He's one of those ones that hasn't become trendy yet. You know, Rory's always going to be there. Rory hasn't strung four rounds together for, for ages, to be honest. And if and everyone says if Rory turns up and plays four rounds, he's 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 one by six. But he isn't turning up to do it. As I said on the last podcast. um I do fancy him, though, for St Andrews. I think he'll define his career winning the 150th Open, and I think he'll he'll trend towards there. He's obviously playing well this week, as is JT, but I'm going to cut him out there. Ram, after winning God knows how many over a two-year period that got him to number one, he hasn't trended up at all, really, since, uh, since getting in there. A couple of other ones to mention before Deej comes on and gives us his. Matt Fitzpatrick, who people it would be a popular selection... Um, has been playing okay, but hasn't over the last couple of weeks, missed the cut at Memorial, Uh, he won the US Amateur at Brookline, so he he, he does like the course, if you're looking at course form, but again, I just don't think he's trending in the right direction for me, Um, and the other one, which I would, if someone put it forward, I would back, just worry a little bit, but he's working hard on his putting, is Will Zalatoris, Um, but again, he's about 25 to 1, and I think, there isn't loads of value in that twenty-five to one because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't got as as much experience as the others. Dave, follow that.
2: Well, that's about done it. I've, I, if I showed you my sheet, he's just gone through it. Not necessarily Patrick Cantlay, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, Brookline's really. You have to be so accurate with your iron shots, well, your t shots and your iron shots into the green, and set it for the U.S. Open with thick rough and everything. Uh, I think Zalatoris has got a great opportunity there. He hits it pretty straight. Uh, the usuals, really. I mean, Justin Thomas, he, he doesn't go away, does he? But it, Justin Thomas, a, a bit like Jordan Spieth, his ability to up and down, it might be taken out a little bit with the thick rough. um I, But I, I really fancy Matt Fitzpatrick. I really do. I think he's... Uh, as Josh says, winning the US Amateur there, it could be a bit like Katrina Matthew. She won the Ladies uh, British Amateur as Katrina Lambert at Royal Lytham, and then won the Ladies British Open as Katrina Matthew. And I think uh, I think Matt Fitzpatrick, I'd like I'd love to see him get his first victory there. It's uh, it's a golf course that you don't necessarily have to hit the ball a long way. Curse is strange one. The last US Open that was played there and he didn't exactly burst a grape so that was you know you don't have to be that long hitter but you do definitely have to keep it straight and get it onto what are very difficult greens to hit and uh, a quick word for Sean Jacklin as well who qualified Tony Jacklin's son which is absolutely brilliant he uh, I'm not so sure that Sean will will uh be up there at the end, but it's wonderful for the Jacqueline family to have young Sean, well, it's the youngest 30 now, I think, but to have Sean playing there is a great honour for them.
0: So, my comments are, yeah, I, I totally agree with, I saw Sean Jacqueline had qualified and it's a fair effort, really, because, I mean, he's a very good golfer, but obviously, you know, they'd be delighted, won't they, Davidson? it's a privilege to play in any major, so, yeah. Fair play to him. My my comments on on you boys. Rory, they said if he could uh, start a major well, then he'd go on and win it, no problem. When he started the USPGA well, didn't he? And the same thing happened. He had a good last round and finished top 10. So, I mean, he's a brilliant player. And who am I to criticise Rory McIlroy? But I personally would agree with Josh. I think somewhere like St Andrews, he might win. But again, Josh, I, I just think, I wouldn't be, surprised if I was betting, is he going to win another major in his career, isn't he? I'd be going on the isn't he, to be honest. He's, I don't think he'll win another one. But there you Ooh,
1: go. Big that, shout that, from Jerry.
0: There's... Yeah, but I, I just think, you know, he, You know the PGA, he led it, and then he bad in the middle, and then he topped, you know, he, he did a great last round, top 10, and then he wouldn't speak to the media, and it was one that got away. Everyone, every major he plays in these days seems to be one that gets away, but... There you go. So that, thats what I think of Rory Zalatoris. I like watching him play. I just can't bear to watch him putt. Yeah, I just I can't. I just can't see him winning a major. I'm sorry, but I mean, there's some funky, funky putting styles in this day and age, and you know, but I, I just can't see him winning a major. I, I don't. Do you remember Billy Mayfair, DJ?
2: Yeah, absolutely. He well, used to. Slop. shop
0: across Cut. it. He never won a major. I played against him in the Walker Cup. He was a great player. I played college golf and he had the worst putting stroke I've ever seen of a world-class player. But Zalatoris, man, he's just to me, I, I can't see him winning a major.
2: Do you think with the smaller greens, it might suit a, a slightly worse putter than normal? Because yeah. in big greens, you can fire in the middle of them and, and like Nicholas used to say, he'd fire in the middle of the greens at Augusta and just put, but certainly with small greens, you the advantage of hitting the green against missing is massive, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but so I just I just think I don't care how small the greens are, I don't know. He's is going to win a major.
2: <laughs> in fairness, in fairness, he's he's, can, he's been right up there a few times in the last few majors, isn't he? With a, yeah,
0: con- yeah, without <laughs> a doubt, without a doubt. But at the end of the day, he had a great chance at the last oh. one. It just seems like he, you know, he can't do it. But then, that's only my opinion and yeah. JT like you were saying Josh the last one he you know to me JT uh, Justin Thomas he's a winner you know and he's a bit like to me he's getting a bit like Faldo he gets in there and he's there thereabouts and then the others who aren't quite used to winning like Azalea Torres, seem to fade away a bit and it's not like he doesn't win them, but it's almost like they're not given to him, but he's just there all the time.
1: I, I think he's a great player. He is. My worry is, well, not worry, he must have been paid a lot of money to play in the Canadian Open this week, because the, the, for the USPGA, he took the week off before. The week before that, you could see him practising the shots that you knew he was going to want to use in the USPGA. So he's got the winning formula there, that's it, and he's gone and won his major. Well, he must have been paid a, a fortune appearance money to go and play in the the Canadian, uh, knowing that last time he won a major, he had the week off before and he was practicing the shots that were required for him to uh, to go and do it. So, I'm a little bit like, mm, it's not it's not trending the same. You, you know, if he was following the same format, I'd be I'd be I'd be following him because he obviously owes us nothing after last time. Yeah. Interesting. You know, all we were talking about was. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, it was Bryson in the US opening, and as far as he can in the rough, and, and then lobbing his wedge onto a, onto a green. He's obviously disappeared. He's signed up to live. I suppose we're moving towards that. The last one I, we, haven't meant, of, we haven't mentioned, a couple that we haven't mentioned, who are at the top of the market, uh, Morikawa, just out of form compared to what he was like around Royal St. George last year, was unbelievable, and a couple of other events. His current five, the last five, um, appearances miscut 40th 55th 29th 26th he's just not trending in the right direction cam smith will be a popular selection has been has been plays very well in big events had a shocking first round in in in, in canada shot 76 came back and shot 65 the following day to make the cut. Uh, but you can't throw in a 76 to win a us open so um, again, just, we talked about it last time about Victor Hovland, you know, that they, they go firing at pins that they don't necessarily need to. Cam's getting, he is becoming more mature in terms of how he wins an event, but um, with that, I can't have that haircut winning a major lug, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so here the we book. go. Well, <laughs> well, there you go, I was going to say. Anyway, well, so- we're... Yeah, we've about covered
2: everybody what about matsuyama as well he's, i like the way he plays the game it depends if
1: he writes his name on his driver deeds and gets yeah. uh whether he's allowed in or not
2: <laughs> yeah that was uh that was a bizarre thing wasn't it?
1: so what was can you explain what that was did i, I caught uh, someone said to me he put something on his driver do we do we know what it was
2: yeah he put, i think it was tipex i think it was tipex to just mark the sweet spot in his three wood it was um and and I, I think it was in the grooves. It would have been all right, but it was actually on the face of the club as well, the tip X. And I th- that got banned a few years ago when people used to spit on the face to get a bit of extra distance into the wind. So you weren't allowed to put. You're not allowed to put anything on the face of your club. I think you can put stuff into your grooves because quite a few grooves have paint in them, don't they?
0: yeah no i think you're exactly right i think it changed the it because he put uh whatever it was on the face of it uh josh not in the grooves but it then it wasn't conforming the yeah. face became different that's what it was it wasn't the grooves so much it was the um it, it didn't conform so just quickly i agree with you dave on fitzpatrick i think he lordy liked fitzpatrick didn't he in the last when i had uh, had lordy on yeah. so this is the uh the crunch time josh this is your second time on the podcast, tipping the uh, major winners. You're one for one so far.
1: So let me have your final verdict. Cantlay can't to win and Sun J.M. each way at 60s. Dave?
2: Fitzpatrick to win and Ram to be close. Ram is one hell of a golfer.
0: Well, you pull that one from under my <laughs> I was just about to say, my tip, I think I think he'll go back to back and win two u s opens in a row. It's exactly yeah. what I think Ram to win, and Fitzpatrick, I hope, will win a major soon, and I think if you're betting some, it's like Justin Rose years ago. I think if you keep bat- uh, bat- betting um, Fitzpatrick each major, he's going to win one sooner rather than later
2: yeah i must I must say I think Ram is the most complete golfer of all of them. He just didn't seem to hit that many bad shots, does he? Maybe he has a about, little bit. What fire. about between his ears, Deed? Well, he's a little bit fiery, but you've got it, Josh, as you well know, you've got to lose the head occasionally.
1: <laughs> regularly, Deed, <dude>. regularly.
0: <laughs> so, so there we are on the, the US Open. So we, we've got that one covered. So now we're moving on to Josh, onto your topic of expertise. So we've got uh, we've had the we've had the platinum jubilee last uh, in the last couple of weeks and we've had the derby so I'm moving on to a, an English summer's classic sporting week royal ascot it's uh, even if you don't like racing and you see it on the tv the, the, you know the the top hats and everything it's not everybody's cup of tea but it's just a a, Brit, a brilliant british iconic sporting event really just just give us a little bit of background about it josh
1: it is really, it's quintessentially British. You know, it's it's like, and Britain is a far diverser place than when um, when Royal Ascot first kicked off and it was the high society. You turn to Ascot now, there's everyone is there. Uh, most race meetings are predominantly male um, uh, in terms of their attendances and the, and the fans of the sport because they're in the betting element side. But this is part of, the season, I think they call it. You've got the Cartier, Polos, Wimbledon, Royal Ascot. You know, it is quintessentially British. I was lucky enough to be at the Derby um, a couple of weeks ago. It was brilliant. It was part of the Jubilee celebrations. And uh, and it was just that feel-good factor about it all, that one, we're all out and about. But proud to be British. And how many times do we ever feel, you know, like that? Compared to the Americans that sort of stand there with hand on heart, it's a rarity for Britain. We're all a little bit embarrassed about being British at times. And, Royal Ascot probably uh, typifies that 50% of the people there aren't massive horse racing fans, but they're there for the event and the experience. And I don't know if anyone's seen the weather forecast. It's absolutely glorious this week, 28 degrees. So just think of me with top hat, woollen tails, makeup beading off my bald head. Um, we're on Friday uh, as, the, as they're all going to post for the first but equally is there's no finer place to be it's going to be fantastic my slight concern is the only person that's allowed that turned in the royal enclosure it's the queen who decides if you can take your jacket off if it's too hot now I've seen this once in about 20 years I sincerely hope she comes on or has got a radio mic in for Friday to say that we can take our jackets off because uh, having a three-piece suit on uh, in 28 degrees is not, is not fun at all, but um, I am moaning there are far worse places to be uh, for the next five days. I'm much looking forward to it. Um, it starts, like any good event, with an absolute bang. Not the fireworks of Epsom bang, but equally three group ones on day one. Um, Bay Bridge, uh, people will start talking quite a lot about. Bay I suppose, is the, is the one that actually they'll, 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 they'll come in, but Bay's like one to four. But then you talk about one to that's four to one on. So if you stick 100 quid on, you'll get 25 quid back or 100 plus your 25 quid. But equally, this horse will win. It is one to four. Are you going to get a 25% return in your bank account? No, you're not. But equally, there's still a risk involved uh, in any time you place a bet on a four-legged creature. But equally, he should win and he's the best horse in Europe. And he'll go on, I believe, to uh, to prove he's the best horse in the world, to be honest with you, by the end of this season. So that's that's the first day. And uh, just going back
0: quickly before we go on to the next day. Royal Ascot, as I said before, it starts a summer of great sport, really. We've got the test matches already. We've got Royal Ascot coming up. We've got Wimbledon coming up. We've got the British Open coming up or the Open Championship, I beg your pardon. So just going on what you were saying, it's just a a great thing to be uh, the sports coming thick and fast now, which we all love.
1: It is. And, and and I had this conversation actually over lunch today. And it was, you know, a, a couple of the guys I've played with today were going up to the to the open at St. Andrews. And and, and they looked at me as if to say, you're coming up. And I was like, I'm not. There there It's sold out, which is brilliant. 240,000 people heading up to St. Andrews. If they see one golf shot, I'll be surprised, to be honest, because it's going to be packed. And... Not just because I'm a TV presenter. I think the quality of the, that is put out across all sports now. Sky do an amazing job. The BBC do an amazing job. When they do an event, it is to be... I'd say I've, I've got a, a private room uh, down at the local pub. I've got 20 of us piling down there, sitting there watching the final round of the Open. And to be honest, would I rather be there than Sanders Yes, is the answer. Because you, we're going to get to see absolutely every single shot played. And... The advancement of technology now, just on this, Jerry. And I, I didn't mention it last time, and I should have done. Is the Masters app that we we all watch the Masters? You can now use. Last year we were like, "This is amazing!" You can go and watch every shot on the Masters of your player. Off you go. What they've done now is you can choose your four players and just exclusively watch you those four players on the Masters app. I mean, it's just technology that you know. When you guys started playing golf, when I started playing golf, you'd have never for watching golf. You'd have never thought you'd ever get to see that that you could pick and choose the four out of 120 fields that you just watch exclusively. The people that you bet on, or you want to, you want to watch, or you've got contact with. So, I think there are plenty of ways of of, of really experiencing top class sport now. But being one of 240,000 isn't my idea of fun, I have to say. So uh, we're a little bit more exclusive on that one, Joe. I've got to get you back to Royal Ascot though, Josh. So okay. come on, we, we need some. Let me run you through. The Australians, unlike the cricket, are coming up to beat us at Royal Ascot so they've got twilight twilight jet uh, on friday in the commonwealth cup it's about eight to one i think mean, it's an absolute cracking price that is um, but i really like international runners because the uk bookies don't price them up that well because the locals will, will be back in, in the english horses because they don't know enough about it so the, these these um, international horses there's value in their price so um the aussies i think the aussies will have two winners i think um nature strip on in the king stand on tuesday that's five that's five to two favorite but equally i'd rather have a short price favorite than a than a long price loser this horse uh nature strip has won 9.8 million pounds sterling running from he's had 37 runs and 20 wins um, and he's five to two. Twilight Jet, exactly the same. These Aussie sprinters are uh, they're, they're serious horses. So there's there's two for you. Um, in terms of the big race, the, the the Ascot Gold Cup. It's over two miles four. I mean, these horses should be uh, nearly Chelten bound. They've got to stay. It's longer than a marathon for them. It's the long probably one of the I think it's the second or third longest flat race that they run. Um, there's a few in there that old favourites like True Shand, needs rain. We're not going to get the rain. So I, I can't see that uh, doing a sort of story tale, fairy tale with Holly Doyle on again. Um, Kiprios of uh, are coming over from Ireland again, It's something like it's five or six run. It's very inexperienced, hasn't run over this trip before, over two mile four. It went over uh, one mile six last time and looked quite, quite speedy. So for me, uh, there's a horse called Scope trained by Rafe Beckett. Uh, here would be one for me uh, in the Ascot Gold Cup to beat the likes of Stradivarius. If Frankie wins, the place goes bananas. Unfortunately, as much as I like a fairy tale, I don't think it's going to happen. So scope in the big one, uh, followed by a couple of Australians coming and stealing our cash and heading back down under.
0: So after what we said about the last, when, when Ollie was on, you don't fancy Stradivarius then?
1: No, I didn't last time either. And,
0: no that's true actually yeah, <laughs> on, on what basis don't you fancy it then you just don't you
1: just don't think it's going to win he's just getting he's just getting up as we get older we get wiser so do horses um and we also don't get any quicker so uh, and unfortunately unlike golf we haven't got technology that sort of keeps us going for a few more years longer he's got frankie in the saddle that's his main uh, point he does like it. he prefer a little bit of cut. Um, if you ever see him in the paddock, he walks around like um, not concentrating on the job, should we call it, if there's a filly in the race. But to be honest with you, it's never affected him when he actually gets out on the race course. Um, but I think he's probably about five or six pounds lower than um, than, than when he was at his best. Um, and so in my opinion, he's he's, he's, he's not like I can see him running a place, but he's too short of price to back each way. So I'm looking for the, the new young blood coming through uh, that. And I think scope will be it. And on that one, so if it doesn't win, then is
0: that uh, retirement for it?
1: Or it I it think they will run him to the end of the season. You know, they'll probably run in Middle Longsdale or something like that up at, up at York. But, um, you know, there, there are a couple of other races. So the Doncaster Cup probably would be a good way for him to go on. Ledger Day, which is uh, the middle of September. OK, all right. So you're uh, your banker for the week then? Bank for the week, uh, Nature Strip, uh, in the King Stand on Tuesday, uh, 5 to 2. Okay, all right. So, Dave, I'm not going to ask
0: you about uh, your banker for the week.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, don't ask me too much about Ascot. They have got a golf course there, though, I know that. I oh, have yeah,
1: Mill Rides around the corner, which is quite a nice That's golf been. course.
2: There
1: you go. Yeah. So, we're going to have to talk about Lib, though, I'm sorry. You've got to, you're going to have to, it's now yeah. happening, Jerry. It's all, all this talk. We've got, you know, a director of European tour for many a year. Um, we need to work out what it, it is. But equally, on top of Lib, can I throw something else in? As we sit here, this, we're recording this on a Sunday evening. We've just seen um, Lin Graham absolutely smash it in a mixed event. And in fact, let's not talk about Lib to start off with. Let's talk about, I think this could be the future of golf. And the, and I know that DJs played an event where you've got seniors, women, and male professionals playing off different tee boxes, so that so it brings it all into combat And I think that's what people want to see. I love watching it. It was amazing what this, uh, what she shot this afternoon. But equally, seeing uh, uh, um, women and men compete on the same course, granted over a different over a different trip as they call it in in, in my world, I think it's great to see. It doesn't have to have happen every week, but it's it's brilliant. It's got it gives a real human interest to
2: it. No, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, the tour, the tournament I played in was in China. Actually, we played uh, super seniors, seniors, PGA Tour players, LPGA Tour players, and just played off different tees. It was absolutely brilliant. So much so that Gary Player, I think he was eighty-two years of age, there made the top ten because we played him far enough forward. And it was wonderful to to see. And as you say, I think that uh, that could definitely uh, be a thing of the future. The difficulty when you pitch the ladies against the men is making sure that the clubs into the greens are reasonably equivalent. And they have to step it forward quite a bit for the ladies because the men are so strong. But with Lynn, it looked like she can miss as far as most of the men hit it, so all of a sudden she was chipping onto most of the greens. But fantastic performance! What a player she looks like. She's going to be, and That's and a, golf, a golfing family as well from Scotland, I believe, originally. But yeah, wonderful, wonderful, and great concept. And talking about concepts, we live golf this week, which uh, I think greats with a few of the establishment golfers, but. Uh, from a personal point of view, I can absolutely see why the players that played in it played in it. The money is just unbelievable, isn't it? And why wouldn't you jump at that opportunity at that stage of your career? I, I remember probably about 12, 15 years ago, a young entrepreneur, Josh Apiaffi, actually putting this idea in front of the European Tour for the seniors, didn't you? Yep.
1: With seniors. regard to yeah.
2: I think they've they've pinched your blueprint and copied it, but it's uh, it's uh, it, it the, the danger of it is it's a bit of a Formula One takeover of golf, in my opinion. It's not really good for the game, but it's it creates an interest. So let's okay. just see where it, where it finishes. But uh, it's just. I I did watch a bit of it yesterday, and it wasn't exactly... It was quite exciting for Schwarzall because of the financial circumstances thrown at it, but it wasn't great. That shotgun start's a bit tough to get into.
0: I've got to to jump in there a little bit because I've taken quite an interest. I've spoken to you about it before, Josh. I I went to uh, St Albans yesterday to the Centurion Club, and I thought from a from an ex kind of player and everything i thought to be honest Dave, they, they put on a great show the fan zone was really good and actually if you were there the the atmosphere in the build-up to the shotgun start was really quite good and when everybody kind of went out on the course together and i i think that uh i i think they've got something going there to be honest with you and the money is is unbelievable and these guys have got a lot of pleasure and you know you you see on social media some of the players who possibly haven't been invited say no, I don't agree with it and that. But talking to some people, they, they would be there if they were invited. And I, I just think that uh, from the European Tours perspective, and it's only my view, that they they need to to look at it to see if they can work together with them. I don't think they want to start, and they're not banning players, which is good. I think the PGA stance of just blanket suspension until whenever, I think is uh, is not typical PGA Tour, but they've run golf for such a long time, as you know, Dave, better than any of us here. And uh, someone has come along with a lot of money, and they're trying to change it. And it, it's similar to me, to T20 cricket. And you look at the IPL now, and it, it's a fantastic spectacle. But I think there's got to be room. There's so many more young players trying to become professional golfers and in time, there'll be a lot more young people trying to become jockeys and cricketers, et cetera. When sport, as we you were saying, Josh, on TV, and it's so good now, more people are playing the game of golf, more people become better. And you've got to, I think you've got to embrace these people. Some of the comments I've heard from some of the, some ex pros and stuff, and they, were in, they will rename nameless, but on Facebook, I mean, I just think it's ridiculous some of the people who are saying just, it's not part of golf.
2: I think, I think the, the real danger is, uh, and that we've been going away from it for a few years now, back in the day when we had a Monday qualify, very quickly you found out whether you were good enough or not. There needs to be a getting together of all of these tours to have a more structured ladder system so you can step on the first rung, well, I'm better than that second rung, and find out how good you are. At the moment, there's too many tours that people can branch off into, and they're not really getting to play with the best of their age. So I, I think, uh, if anything, this will hopefully get people to to work closer together. It's just a shame that Liv have done this a bit out on a limb. I, I, they, they've they not... in even tried to involve the PGA Tour or the European Tour. They are just trying to take golf over. And yeah. with yeah. the with the funds, they're capable of making a dent in it. But if I'm a young player, where do I really want to play? I mean, I know this is a lot of money, and they're pinching college guys, everything. It doesn't quite sit right with me. It could be used in a much more, um, a much better way to, to, for the future of golf. That's all I would say.
1: Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. In terms of a, a negotiator or a businessman, I think as soon as, they, as soon as Greg was fronting it, it was never gonna be a negotiation. He was there. He's got this too much emotion wrapped up in Greg Norman with the, the heads of the tours. Um, I do believe they met with um, uh, Pelly at the, the European tour, and I believe that Monaghan refused to meet them on the PGA tour, from what I've seen uh, written in the media. Um, for me, it, I believe it needs to be this, they're coming in, they're going to do it, so let's embrace it. But I think having Greg Norman at, at the front of it, like I say, it was never going to be a negotiation, it was going to be a battle. Uh, and they're sort of, they're they're, let, and they're now left there. Of course, then there's broadcast deals. I've I've not watched it because i haven't had time it wasn't in my consciousness to go. Let me put YouTube on and watch it. I don't even know who presented it. When you know, I've always got the golf on in the background because of, I'm, I'm watching it on Sky. So to grab the consciousness, it was a lot of money for a for a you know a new event. 100 million being paid to DJ is is beyond beyond. I mean, it's just. It's, it's an exorbitant amount of money, and I wish he'd turn around and said, I'm giving 50% of it to charity, because what's 50 million quid to, uh, to Justin Johnson? But, um, nah, it's, I just hope it be... You're right, at the moment, golf's losing, by because everyone's battling, and there's bans, and lawyers are making fortunes. You're right, they need locking in a room, locking the door, and then you come out with whatever the agreed strategy is. But they are part of it. They're not going away. They've got too much money to go. They're definitely not going to go away. And that's what Greg's drive is going to be. But don't go and kill things to try and better yourself. The sport needs to grow uh, as one, you know. I I would agree. I would agree totally. I mean, I think,
0: you know, I did watch it the first time on YouTube. And I think, you know, you say Sky in the background. And obviously you work for Sky, so you're going to have Sky in the background. But I thought the good thing at the moment is, that young people can watch it on YouTube. Young people watch YouTube. They didn't have to pay anything to watch it, and fair enough, it wasn't the greatest standard in the world, but you could watch Dustin Johnson, you could watch Phil Mickelson, you could watch Martin Keimer, you could watch, you know, these, Louis and these players have been top class players in the world. And if you can't afford Sky, and not everybody can afford Sky, and I'm not going on about money in that, but anybody could really watch YouTube and they could have watched it. And the the production was good. I'm, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of it. I am a fan of it in a way, but I, the thing I think is that everybody's, they've all got to get together and work something out. Like cricket have done. Cricket, in my opinion, have done a great job. They've got the IPL and people still love test cricket.
2: And I think, I think the, the, the biggest issue, and it will always be an issue, this is uh, one fund that's paying for all of this. PGA Tour, the European Tour are a proper businesses that have multi-sponsors and everything and will last forever. This, this, if they suddenly decide they don't want to do it next week, that's it, that's the end of it. Mm. So there's a massive danger that they could build something up and then pull the plug on it. Where well, it's not It's not really uh, a business, is it? It's not sort of a, a it's, it's just this fund that's paying for it and they could easily, quite easily not pay for it next week. So that's a massive danger if it does damage the game. But hopefully, as you both say, they can sit down together and work something out.
0: Yeah, so that, that's, that, that's really what I feel with it. It's, um, it's a, to me, it's a great opportunity for golf to actually uh, make a lot more money. And you were saying about DJ, 100 million. You know, you look at Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, and they keep saying this about, the golfers should be paid in line with the NBA and the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, $500 million. He gets $50 million basic a year. So golf is kind of moving up with the big, uh, big U.S. sports. And this is kind of one of the arguments in their favor. But we could sit here all night, boys, arguing about the where the money comes from. I so say you I'm sure you've seen it on the social media, you know, where the money's coming from. Is it sports washing and all this kind of stuff? So. You know it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and yeah. I just hope, as as Dave said, you know, and for, and Josh you said for the good of the game, hopefully they'll all work something out. I just feel at the moment there's a there's a lot of egos going about, and you know the PGA Tour waited till they'd all teed off, and within half an hour they'd written to every member saying you're banned and everything, and you know to me it's getting a bit lawyers as you say, Josh. They're winning at the moment. And for the good of the game of golf, they've all got to sit down and calm down and try and work it out.
1: No, absolutely. I think there are, there are other great areas of the sport that need investing in. We've talked about, you know, in terms of you've got to be reflective of society. And golf has moved, and Tiger Woods has been a large part of that, that it was a, an upper class white man sport. And it's become far more diverse. And, and I think the next stage before your superstars go up to your 50 hundred millions although they're starting to get there you've got to look to start to get to bringing the women's uh events further up now there's a the us us open the women's us open you know was a 10 million is a 10 million dollar event this year it's fantastic up from eight last year that's way that's great having one but they need the un, underneath that you do like the europe ladies european tour is minuscule compared to the, the numbers that some of these people are, are playing for. And I think to, to stay, look at the Wimbledon, you know, Wimbledon have got the same prize money. I'm, I think golf's going to struggle to get there, but there's still a big golf that, uh, in terms of women's golf, if you want to be reflective of society and advertise to, you know, 50% of the population, this is a sport for you. You've got to start bringing that money up as well. So before we get supersonic, someone who's worth, half a billion, Tiger Woods was announced as the third sports billionaire this week. You know, that's massively at one end when you've got a lot lot of people struggling at the other end. So I'm, as you know, a a diversity and inclusion champion, and I would love to see that come through. The great thing on the diversity side of things, look at the PGA Tour now, you know, Tony Finau, Harold Varner, you you know, there's there's Aaron Rye, who's done fantastic since going across from the DP World Tour. So you have got diversity coming through, I just hope on a gender diversity front, there can be more equality perhaps in terms of prize money levels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, as I say, we could, you know, I left the live thing till the last
0: conversation because, it, you know, i say I was at cheering yesterday and talking to one or two of the people and Dave would know them and that there are so many rumours going about, about the amount of money and this and that and everything. So it will be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see the next, uh, Field in Portland at the end of June after the US Open, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. But as I say, fingers crossed, the game of golf will be a winner from it and not a loser, really. It's, it's the main thing, and I think everybody would like to see that from Jay Moynihan to Keith Pelly to me to you guys. You know, hopefully, golf doesn't become like a boxing where they've got three or four different world champions and this and that. And so, hopefully, it'll work itself out. But I won't carry on as we'll be here all night otherwise. So Anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. Dave, we will see you. I'll see you at Blackwell in a couple of weeks' time uh, for, the for the Seniors Tour Program. So we look forward to that. And Josh, again, many thanks for coming on. And uh, right. let's wait and see whether you go two for two or not, mate, with the, uh, with the golf. Uh-huh. And if you do go two for two, you know, you ought to be saying to Sky,
1: never mind racing, I should be your golf man. If I go two for two, Jerry, you're going to have to pay me one of these sign-on fees, aren't you, for to do the, the, open, the open 19th hole podcast coming up. But I'm um, very much looking forward It's great to see you guys looking so healthy. Hey. Um, go and help yourself to a nice glass of rosé and off we go. Hey, Josh, on a cheeky one, if you go
0: two for two, then Liv might be coming after you for a bit of commentary. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll leave it with you. So, Dave, many thanks. I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Josh. Thank, thanks, much, thank you. All the okay. best. See you, boys. See you.